0: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good morning and welcome to the cold garden show. Not sure how deeply cold it is at your place, but it's pretty chilly here. Warming up, though, I think we're up to minus 24 from... A mere minus 26 an hour and a half ago. However, spring is coming. I know it's cold right now, but it is going to warm up. They're even talking rain very shortly in the forecast. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. And in the meantime, some things to put on your calendar. Let me give you the numbers first. Uh, Dean will be joining us eventually. He's just uh, doing something else. His Honda had a bit of issues, so maybe he's still trying to fix his car. But either way, either way Do give a call. Love to hear from you. Love your tips. Love your tricks. Love your questions. Local calls, area code 416-360-0740. Of course, that's in the Toronto and GTA. Outside of the GTA, across Ontario, give us a call at 1-866-740-4740. So, I keep saying give us for now, give me a call, but Carlos is standing by. So of course you are calling us and Carlos would love to hear if you're a first time caller, uh, because when Dean joins us, he's got the ding, 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 the bell to give away wings to first time callers. Call early, call often. One question per caller is the mantra, but uh, just quickly, before we go to our first break, mark on your calendars. If you haven't already next weekend, The Southern Ontario Orchid Society, big open house, big orchid show at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. That's February 11th and 12th, both days from 11 until 4. Keep in mind that I will be Zooming with the Oakville Horticultural Society on February 13th. 7 30 in the evening i'm speaking on gardening in a changing climate if you would like to participate in that zoom event send me an email and i'll hook you up with the oakville hort society so you can get the the zoom link uh my email of course is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com uh, february 14th valentine's day i'm live at the grafton horticultural <coughs> society so if you're in the area Come see me in Grafton. I'm speaking on Designing for Shade at the St. Andrews United Church, which is 137 Old Danforth Road. And I can hear Dean. Oh, good morning, Dean.
2: Good morning, Charlie. How are you? <laughs> I'm
1: great. Uh, was your internet frozen?
2: <laughs> my, my internet was frozen because we are sitting at a balmy minus 16 here oh, in Colwood right now. Yeah. seriously
1: balmy. I'm, I'm minus 24. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. yeah that's crazy. We better we better go to our first break, but when yep. we get back, I want you to talk, if we get a chance, I yep. want to remind people about the great backyard bird count coming up on February 17th.
2: You got it. We will be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Don't
0: change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on
2: Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and I am Dean Holland, and, uh, and it's a, it is a snowy, snowy day out there, and I've been thinking that, you know, you, you hardly can complain about all this snow and cold weather because we, a lot of people were up in arms a month ago that we didn't have it, and so now it seems to me that all the plants have gone to bed properly.
1: Yes, good point. Um, The plants, I think, are well protected by this cold weather, lots of, you know, good blanket of snow. I'm a little worried about some of the the little animals out there just because it's so. Cold. It's uh, pretty extreme, and then of course it's going to get really mild. So that is confusing for the the uh, fauna for sure.
2: Yeah, indeed. And speaking of little critters, uh, we do have the as you talked about, we have the great backyard bird count coming up, uh, and that happens worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, my and that's from February seventeenth to twentieth. And as I think I mentioned before, my dad, who's uh, who's passed away a few years ago, he used to be uh, quite involved in this. He loved doing the backyard bird count.
1: Yeah, it's it you don't have to even go outside. You can just sit and in, in your window to participate. And then you send your data in, which is your international point there. Yes. All over the world, people do this. Uh, either go out, and it's a 15-minute increments. Basically, you count birds and identify species for 15-minute intervals, and you can do it as many times as you want within the, the three, I believe it's three days that it's on, yes. 17th to 20th, yes. I think it's, it's uh, four
2: days, days. Yep.
1: yeah. And uh, and there's some webinars to help you in advance if you want to register for those. It's just a, a super cool event, and it's citizen science at its best. It's tracking bird Uh, locations and bird populations. Right. And from what I understand
2: from, I think from what you told me in the past is that you can actually watch the tracker. Like you can tune in and and they keep adding in this data and you can see the little dots all over the, the planet.
1: Exactly. And, and it's really cool because, of course, when it's dark, there's no birds to count. So when, we're, when it's light in North America, the sun is up, you can see that the map is changing constantly. But India, is, nothing's happening. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the day ends in North America, we get all quiet. And all of a sudden, Southeast Asia goes crazy with everybody right. on the other right. side of the world. So it, it's, very, it's, it's very active, very live and very cool.
2: And it seems to me that you can just literally, you can Google the great backyard bird count and you will find the site. It's, you know, sponsored by the Cornell Lab and the Audubon Society and Birds Canada. All those people are involved in it.
1: Super simple uh, website, actually. Just bird count. So one word, birdcount.org. Dot org. .org. Okie
2: yeah. dokie. Okay, so let's go to our uh, first caller. We have uh, Judy on the line and she is calling from Oakville. Welcome to the Garden Show, Judy.
3: Hi, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good
2: morning. Um,
3: Charlie, is what and when do I do something about baby amaryllis? I've got a lot of them this year. Uh,
1: so babies that are growing off of mothers.
3: Yes you know I mean, what that's what it is I've got leaves coming up off the sides of the
1: amaryllis plant uh-huh. Personally, I would let the babies grow in the same pot with the mothers until they it becomes unwieldy until the pot, has no soil, and it's pure bulb, which might be a couple of years yet. If you do want to separate them out, then wait until you start them going into their dormant period. So that won't be till next August.
3: I see. Okay. Okay. Then separate them out and put each little baby in its own
1: pot. I guess it would have to go in a much smaller pot, wouldn't it? Exactly, because amaryllis like to be pot-bound. They like uh, only about a maybe a half an inch of space between the outer edge of the bulb and the wall of the pot. So if you're dealing with really tiny little amaryllis bulbs, you know, babies, real babies, get right down to four-inch pots if you have to. And, uh, and eventually you'll move them up as they grow. But um, also remember that immature small bulbs, baby bulbs, will not flower for a couple of years. They need to get bigger and um, heftier before you'll get flowers.
3: Okay. And if I just leave them and let the whole thing die back naturally, uh, will the babies continue to
1: take food off the mother bulb? Or no, just no. The oh, the- they, will, they will continue to grow bigger as on their own, even though you're right, they'll still be attached to the mother. They will, as long as they've got leaves, they yes. can photosynthesize. And if they can photosynthesize, they can grow bigger.
3: And will they still continue to flower then, once they think, okay, I've done my job, I have <laughs> applied.
1: Eventually, eventually, every, all of them will flower. They just have to be mature enough to do so. I see. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> right. Well, I've never had this before, so this is gonna... <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's great. Oh, it's good. God. Everybody's doing amaryllis. I think we we got the amaryllis club going on here.
2: There you go. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good luck on that. And uh, yeah, you'll have to call us back in the uh, in August and let us know what's happening.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about what to do in August as well.
2: Indeed. I got to tell you, yeah, I know that you, uh, you reminded people about the orchid show that's happening uh, on the uh, it's 11th and 12th, I think, of February. Yeah. And uh, I looked at the poster of that, and holy cow, that orchid on the poster is beautiful. And I just, I think I would, I know that I would just, everywhere I turned around, I would be gobsmacked by these, these orchids. They're such a mysterious
1: and impressive flower. They are the most evolved, I think, of all flowering plants. You know, they are the same family, the same genus. Uh, wait, not same genus, same family, though. Uh, but, yeah, they're just so diverse. And, and it's so cool how they've evolved to achieve what they want to achieve, which is to be pollinated. Yeah. And all, orchids are real tricksters. They do all kinds of fancy things to get insects um, lured into the throat of the plant
2: <laughs> yeah wow wow it's just incredible okay we are going to take a break in just a second i want to give those numbers out though uh if you are in toronto 416 3600740 740 or outside toronto anywhere else in the province of ontario it is toll free 1-866-740-4740 we will be right back with much more here on the garden show
0: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
2: Oh yeah, we are back here on The Garden Show celebrating all things garden <laughs> indoors and out with the garden goddess charlie dobbin <laughs> and God. i'm dean hall and there you go well you know it's a good way to start a saturday morning as far as i'm concerned so there you go and uh, we have our calls coming in from all over the province and beyond i have to say but right now we are going to bradford and we have a first time caller on the line uh charlie we have kim welcome to the garden show kim
3: thank you good morning
2: i want to i'm going to give you your garden wings my dear There you go.
1: Welcome. Thank you.
3: That's exciting. (laughs) Charlie, I have a a
4: Hoya that I've inherited. Um, I don't know the variety, so I'm going to explain it to you. Dark leaves, and it's got white spots on the leaves. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure out how to take care of it. I have have it in a west-facing window. Uh, It's a big bay window, and it's about 10 feet away from the window. And it seems to be drying out a lot. So I, I don't know if it needs to, if it likes to be wet, if it likes to be
1: dry. Hmm. I feel like I'm losing the plant. So. Okay, so here's, here's a couple of tips about Hoya. Western window is good because that's nice and bright, and a Hoya wants as bright as possible. So even closer to the window would be optimal. You mentioned, you know, 10 feet away from the window. If you can get that plant two feet away from the window, it's going to like all that light. If you feel the leaves uh, with your fingers, you'll feel that they are—they're quite stiff. They're quite—they're they, not malleable. They're not soft. <clears throat> They're—they're right. and—and they've just got a real, somewhat of a leathery feel to them. And what yeah. that tells you is that this is a plant that is quite evolved to withstand extreme heat, extreme uh, brightness, and extreme drought. So don't worry too much about it seeming to dry out all the time. You do, when you water, you want to water thoroughly. uh, So you want to make sure if if the thing to remember, and this is going to be true for everybody who's listening, who has any kind of indoor plants, the, the media or the soilless mixes that are peat moss based that we use in our side, our pots in our indoor plants, when it gets really dry, it shrinks. It shrinks away from the sides of the pot. So we go to water, and what happens is the water just runs right down the inside of the pot, out the drainage holes, and it feels like, oh, I've watered my plant. It's I, The water's pouring out the bottom. I can't do anything else. So if that has happened in your case with this Hoya, don't allow that water to just rush right through and think you've done a great job. Make sure you've got a saucer below. Take the whole plant. Sit it in the kitchen sink if you need to. Water with room temperature water and let the plant sit in a saucer full of water until that water absorbs up into that, that peat-based mixture. Use a fork to break it up a bit if it's really a brick-like or clumpy, and let it sit there, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever it takes, until that plant is now much heavier because it's actually absorbed some moisture, and then let it drain. Of course, you're not gonna leave it in water for hours and hours and hours. Just leave it in, in water until the soil is completely saturated. Let it drain out and put it back into its sunny window. Only water when it's bone dry. Give it lots and lots of light. And um, and don't think about transplanting or doing anything like that. Just uh, look after it. Um, it. It does not like being repotted, is why I'm saying that. So leave it in its pot if you can. Uh, and it will start to flower if you give it the right conditions. And they're very fragrant flowers.
3: Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very All much.
2: Right. Yeah, bye thanks bye. for the call, uh, Kim. And don't be a stranger. Make yeah. sure you uh, Call often as part of our mantra, for sure. Yeah.
1: And, and actually, just sorry, Dean, but one quick yeah. addendum. Just for everybody to realize that the other thing is we don't water the same or as the same schedule in the winter as we do in the summer. Because plants don't use as much water indoors in the winter or outdoors, for that matter. So uh, water, water based on feeling the soil. Uh, you know, like I say, it's one of those things. It's don't water by the calendar. Water when the plant is truly dry and then water thoroughly.
2: Gotcha. I think from my year plus on the show here, I think that there's actually a lot of people out there that water on the calendar. And I know Mm -hmm. that you remind a lot of people don't do that, you know, Mm -hmm. like it might be Sunday one week and it might be (laughs) Tuesday the following week, you know, you you know.
1: Sure. uh, If we aren't uh, getting much sun, right, even our plants that are in our windows, if it's all overcast for weeks and weeks, again, the plants are not using the same amount of light as they are if it's bright and sunny every single day.
2: Gotcha. Quick question uh, based on what you were saying to uh, Kim there. Uh, you were talking about moving the plant closer to the window. Now, is there a margin there where it can be too close to the window because it's going to be too
1: cold, or is that marginable? Or, you know, like what is. Well, don't I, have it. T- never have a, a tropical plant touch the glass. Okay. Just because that is cold, and you will see, um, you know, frost. You'll see little burn marks on the leaves if the leaves are touching the the glass. Um, generally speaking, Hoyas are not hard to grow. Uh, the The main thing is, and yeah, I didn't even mention, but of course, remember misting at this time of year. Getting out our little spritzers, always a good idea. Just because it is dry, you know, no matter how many plants you've got and how much pasta you cook, and all the yep. humidity we're trying to add to our air, it's still very dry. And the, the tropical plants love a higher humidity than they're getting right now. So misting is good, but just, yeah, the bright, Hoyas want a real bright spot. Okay,
2: great. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Dunville now. We have Barbara on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Barbara.
4: Hi. Hi, hi, Dave, uh, Dean, and uh, Charlie. Uh, Morning. My my, uh, question has to do with fertilizing orchids. I don't know what fertilizer to use, um, I think I was told years ago that for orchids, I have about four different kinds, and I was told only to use orchid fertilizers.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that true? Uh, that's what I do. Uh, orchid fertilizers are very specifically uh, created for orchids. So, um, and and if you get them, I'm not sure if you have looked in a store to look what's out there. Um, the one I use that I really swear by is uh, made by a company called Plant Prod, Plant Products out of Brampton. And it's, a you know, the blue uh, powdery stuff that we mix with water. Very, very, very tiny print on the package. But if you can get out a magnifying glass and read it, it explains the different mix levels that you use depending on the orchids you're growing. Generally, what I do is I just get a pail of water, you know, a traditional two-gallon pail of water, fill it up with water, let it come to room temperature. I mix up, I think it's about two teaspoons, maybe it's a teaspoon, I forget. I think it's like a teaspoon per gallon of the blue powder, mix it all around, and then I dunk my orchids into the pail and uh, let them really get that that fertilized water right there into the media in around the roots even get the leaves under the water uh not flowers of course but plant pot and leaves right in under the water let them drain out and back into their home location and i if if you do that once a month you'll find you you'll have wonderful success yeah i'm fortunate i have a very deep sink
4: in mm. the conservatory here but my plants are and tend to be large i have Danhopia and Catlea. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
4: so big, yeah, I bigger them, than a pail. <laughs> and I dunk them into the uh,
1: sink. Sink, great, perfect. But, yeah. But so my,
4: y- yeah, I was concerned about the uh, fertilizer. My husband can't seem to find it on uh, the internet to send
1: for it. Hmm.
4: And there's and there's uh, nothing like here in town
1: to. Right. I mean, do you have a Canadian Tire or a um, Home yeah, Depot, uh, Rona? All they have is a Schultz, and it's
4: uh, oh. it's not good enough. It's 15, 5, and 5.
1: Yeah, you're right. Okay, so you know what? You and your husband have to jump in the car, go to Toronto next weekend uh, to the Orchid Society show, and you can get yeah, all the best I fertilizers know. and the best advice there.
4: I was hoping that the Royal Botanical here would have their orchid show soon but i'm not sure when it is
1: so that's a very good point i'm going to look that up because you're right traditionally rbg does have an orchid show after the the um yep. one in toronto i'll yep. look that up and report back after the next break but yeah good point yeah, uh I, in the meantime yeah if you're out and about in the hamilton area even uh, you'll be able to pick up some some fertilizer specifically for orchids okay thank you yeah, okay. very
2: much Great, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for the call, yeah, there, Barbara. Thanks for and, calling. Sounds and, nice.
1: She's got some nice orchids.
2: Yeah, and and maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe somebody in the Hamilton area uh, knows of a place where you can get that orchid uh, fertilizer. Well, yeah, really it's hard
1: to get in Hamilton. It's just hard in Dunville.
2: In Dunville, yeah. Dunville's relatively small, for sure. Oh yeah. Okay, we are going to go south of the border now. We have got uh, Tom from Buffalo, New York, who's given us a call. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Tom.
5: Well, thank you. Good morning to you all. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Uh, my question is about amaryllis. I didn't put my amaryllis away
1: until late December. Should they still set flower buds? Uh, good question. So when you put them away in December, at that point, you put them in the dark and you stopped watering, right? Correct. Okay. So since you started that, I mean, if I had not put mine away by December, it, you can just keep them growing. You don't have to make them dormant. That, that's what happens when you put them in the dark and you stop watering. You force them to go dormant. But it's not the end of the world if they don't go dormant. I know many people who just keep their amaryllis growing year round as a house plant. They flower sporadically, never at Christmas. <laughs> they flower when they want. Um, but it, it is doable. But since you've done the putting away, just leave them put away for at least eight weeks and then bring them out into the light. I'm not sure if they'll flower or not, but either way, they'll be fine. Well, let's work a shot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let us know. All right. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks for calling.
2: Yeah, thanks. Nice to hear from uh, our friends down in uh, Buffalo. We, uh, from time to time, uh, get uh, calls from south of the border, for sure. Um, I would imagine the the climate is relatively the same in Buffalo as it is here in Ontario. I think it
1: depends which side of Buffalo you're on. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which side of the road sometimes, yeah, pretty indeed. extreme different uh meteorological data comes out of uh, Buffalo, <laughs>
2: yeah. And yet, you know, this morning we uh we were, I think you and I were commenting that we were it was a bit surprising because of how much north I am to you no. that you are uh, like nearing 10 degrees colder than we are here in Collingwood,
1: yeah. What's that all about,
2: yeah? What is that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think um, somebody's organized that for the skiers and snowboarders in your area, so they can still get out and play in the snow. Yes. Because if it's too cold there, they're just going to sit in the clubhouse, right?
2: It's true. Yeah, no, they do like it when it's a little bit balmier, for sure. <laughs> Indeed. You got it. Okay, let's go to our next call, and it's a first-time caller. We have uh, we have John on the line from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, John. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having good. me. Oh, yeah. Well, may I give you your garden wing, sir?
5: Yes, please.
2: There you are. You earned them. Thank you.
5: So, what do you got? What do you got for Charlie there? Yeah. So our problem is that we bought um, about two weeks ago. We bought two kale lilies at the grocery store because they were looked really nice for you know Valentine's Day coming up, and they were fine. Excuse me. They were fine until the first time we watered them when the media dried out, and now all of a sudden we have these aphids all popping up out of the. Out of the plant, which we were trying to be very careful to isolate them from everything else, and uh, now not quite sure how to get rid of those if we can.
1: Are you sure they're aphids? What do they look like?
5: Well, they're kind of little black bugs. I guess maybe not. I I guess I always think they're aphids, but not are necessarily. You? I guess.
1: Yeah, if they're popping up out of the soil and they're black and they're small and they fly, I assume. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are fungus gnats. Oh, okay. So- fungus and then gnat fungus gnats are it's very common when you bring a plant home from any even really reputable uh, garden center that you bring fungus gnats with you they um the flying the ones that fly around look a bit like a fruit fly uh those are the adults they're flying around looking for a place to lay eggs and they will lay their eggs in moist soil mm, so okay. the trick is to pull back on your watering, continue to keep those plants isolated if you can, just so you don't get the gnats in your other plants. Uh, And just um, keep the watering as minimal as you can, the, the drier the media, the less fungus you have naturally mm, yeah. growing in the, the media, right. and the fewer fungus gnats you'll have. Oh, the okay. second um, suggestion I have is something I, ha- I use when I have fungus gnats called Sticky Sticks. So sticky, just like sticky, and then S T I X. Uh, brought to you by Safers, who are the original Safer soap people. And follow the sticky sticks um, you know, instructions for these little yellow sticky cards that you will put on little sticks into your different pots of plants. And the crazy little flying insects are very attracted to yellow. And just like a fly paper, they get stuck onto the, the sticky yellow stuff. And then, of course, they can't lay eggs. So oh, okay. it'll take a few weeks, but you should be able to eliminate oh. the gnats that way.
5: So are those sticky sticks, they're, like, available at most nurseries? or
1: Yeah, even, you should find them even at a home store, like a, a Canadian Tire or a, a Rona or whatever, home Okay, Depot. that's great. Okay. All right, listen, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for thank your you call. Remember. Yeah, yeah. Calla lilies are beautiful. I don't blame you for buying it impulsively.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was seeing some calla lilies in the stores lately, too, and they're very tempting. They Again, they're one of those rather magical flowers. They just have such an impressive bloom on
1: them. Well, so what I bought impulsively was a big bouquet of tulips for myself.
2: Oh, I love tulips.
1: There you go. Talk about spring. Bright yellow, big bouquet of yellow tulips. I am so cheerful.
2: Yeah, you know what? I do. I love tulips. It's been this kind of thing that snuck up on me as I become older because, you know, I grew up... With them in the garden, my dad always planted tulips in the garden. they were you know sort of a staple spring flower that came up and so I, as a kid I didn't think much of them. You know what I love about them I love when they're in the vase, I love how they kind of bend I love well, they, how
1: they yeah they you know what they do they're very unusual in the sense that a, they are a cut flower, obviously most cut flowers just perceive to die from the moment they're cut yeah. tulips once they're cut, they continue to grow, and <sighs> so that's why you get the funny twisted real sculptural shapes going on because they grow towards the light. And yeah. they literally are actually cells are dividing, they are growing. It's crazy, it's very unusual.
2: Well, I do love them. I love, love, love them. So I'm envious that you have tulips in your.
1: I'm house. just saying, you want to brighten up a dull February day, get yourself a bunch of tulips and you'll be smiling. You got
2: it. Okay, you know what else will be making me smiling is if you uh, give us a call with your gardening question. I have to take a quick break, but I'm going to give you those numbers again. We have room on the line. Uh, we have uh, your Toronto number is 416. or anywhere else in this province of Ontario. It is a toll-free call, 1-866-740-4740. Don't be a stranger. Give us a call. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show.
1: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, for scythia
0: and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweetwilliams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show
2: with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back with The Garden Show. And uh, we were talking about uh, cut flowers during the break there, And you've got some tulips, you said. I've got a combination of mums and uh, carnations on my table. <laughs> and And I agree with you, you know what? they do they do brighten up. i And, yeah, I quite often bring home flowers. I've gotten the habit in the last well, I mean, I've always done it for my wife, but maybe I've been doing it more regularly in the last two years.
1: Well, then she's going to be happy that you're co-hosting the garden show.
2: Yeah, and I always get some little brownie points, you know, when I walk in the door. You can never go wrong with walking in the door with some flowers for the table.
1: Exactly, especially when it's not Valentine's Day, right? Yeah. Like, flowers for Valentine's, like, duh. But but what about the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, exactly. I hear you. Exactly. Okay, let's go to the uh, phone. We have uh, Gabrielle on the phone from uh, Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Gabrielle.
3: Yes. Good morning, and happy New Year to both of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you as well. For decades, and um, I have a problem because I bought myself cyclamen. Mm-hmm. You know the magenta I... color and the yes. red from Home okay. Depot, mm-hmm. and they became very droopy. I don't know if is there a way to revive them if I put
1: put them with plant food. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, plant food feeds plants. It doesn't revive if they've become droopy necessarily. Ha, okay, so if you felt the soil in the pots right now, what would the soil feel like?
3: Well, I was watering them on. You know, whenever I, I was I was in the room, and uh, I would water them once the soil dried out a bit. But mm-hmm. then later on, they just went. So you know, I
1: guess I have to spend more money and go to the shop in my neighborhood to buy it from home. <laughs> no, you know both. what it is cyclamen it, for some of us are easy to grow and for some of us not so much. Uh, here are the optimal conditions for success with cyclamen. You okay, need a bright please, sunny window. Write, uh, let me just get a pen and paper so I can write it down. All right. While you're grabbing your pen and paper, I'm going to remind everybody that you can re-listen to the show at any time uh, once it's been posted as a podcast. So remember, if if there's anything that is said or anything discussed on The Garden Show that you'd like to hear again, just go to AM740, Podcasts, The Garden Show, and there are 14 years worth of podcasts of The Garden Show archive right there so you can go way back and listen to any show you wish. So don't panic if you miss anything. You can always listen again. Uh, But Gabrielle, I assume, has her paper and pencil now. So Cyclamen, success with Cyclamen, cool temperatures. You want cooler than the average room. At night, you want 10-ish Celsius, so 50-ish Fahrenheit. During the day, you want 14, 15 Celsius, so 67, 68 kind of um, Fahrenheit. So cool temperatures, bright sun, and only water from below in the saucer the plant is sitting in. Do not water from the top and only water when dry. So feel the weight of the pot or feel the soil. If there's moisture and sponginess do not water. It's when it feels like a desert, it's time to dry. They will droop a bit when they're super dry, but then again, they'll droop when they're super wet. So you can't rely on droopiness to uh, indicate when to water. To always feel the soil first. All righty.
2: Okie okay, dokie. Okay. So good luck with that, uh, Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cycle, um, cyclamen, they, they're they the ones that look they're like two hands facing up. Is that right? They kind of. Uh, yeah, sort of. The...
1: Almost a bit like a butterfly, too, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, very pretty plants. Um, and I just wish they were easier to keep. So some of us, you know, we just, as we get older, we get colder and we have our heat up higher. So not good for cyclamen. But I actually have a couple sitting in my basement window, if you can imagine. And my basement is cool and I have a bright southern window down there. So I am uh, i can't keep them up here. They would just turn to mush. It's too yeah. warm. Do we water
2: from the bottom because it's we don't want to get the leaves wet?
1: Well, partially that, but also because they grow from a corm, which is an underground storage organ, and it's very easy to uh, rot that that corm. So you want to always love water from below, and of course the osmosis takes the water up into the soil and around, you know, to the roots.
2: Gotcha. Okay, let's go to uh, Bill on the line. Uh, He is calling from Pickering. Welcome to the Garden Show, Bill.
1: Yes,
5: thank you very much. Glad to be here. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Um, Glad to have you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Charlie. I have um, about forty cuttings from geraniums that I took in late September, early October. They're all doing well, and maybe ten mother plants they're tagged with the colors that they are, not like the the, sure. the species or anything, but the colors. Sure. And once in a while, the tags fall out or whatever when you're working with them, and they get mixed up and etc. cetera. And,
0: <laughs>
5: uh, and when you go to plant things, you have a nice orange one in amongst the, the, the red ones or whatever. I, I, uh, yeah. I'm wondering how, when I should start to fertilize to get them into bloom so that I can check them uh, before I, we put them out
1: in May. Ah smart thinking. Well, you know what I would say to some extent this probably comes down to how much room you have. So have you uh, like enough either you know big windows or supplementary lighting that you have these draining like the cuttings I assume are now all potted up into little pots? Yeah, so you've got about 40 four pots or plus the
5: the mother plants in six inches and they're under lights so I have ten, oh. 10 hours a day.
1: All right. So if you've got, okay, light for 10 hours a day. So what I would do is I'd change my lights to 12 hours a day.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So a little more light. And yeah, just an all-purpose flowering fertilizer. And I would start using that. You can even, if you're watering today, I, yeah, you start today, but mix it at half the strength that's recommended uh, on the the package so that you're giving not the full strength fertilizer. And we call that fertigation when you water and irrigate, sorry, when you fertilize or feed and irrigate at the same time, you are fertigating. And and that's what the commercial growers do rather than trying to sit there and work out what day to fertilize. They just constantly, when they're watering, they're uh, constantly adding fertilizer. So as long as it's a low dose a fertilizer, you'll find that that will work just fine. And you, they'll start they'll start popping flowers uh, probably, gosh, within the next four or five weeks, maybe sooner. Oh,
5: perfect. Would that be 20 20 or?
1: I'd go with a flowering plant one if you can. 20 20 is an all-purpose, so that's like all completely balanced. So a flowering plant really fertilizer high. tends to have a slightly higher number in the middle. So it's I more like a, number. you know. 8, 16, 12 or something, uh, or my favorite, which is a 15, 30, 15. I have some of that. Oh, there you go. So use every,
5: it. every watering or just every, yeah, like I water them Sundays and Wednesdays, et cetera.
1: Okay. Well, it's up to you. If you, you, know, if you want to just, uh, give them um, half-strength fertilizer and only f- provide fertilizer once every two weeks, or if you want to give them less than half-strength fertilizer and use it every time, it's up to you. Okay. Thanks very much.
2: No it, yeah. Thanks yeah, for thanks, calling. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Bill. You're welcome. I'm going to get a. I'm going to get a shirt for this summer. I think, uh, Charlie. Mm. It's just going to say fifteen thirty fifteen <laughs> on the front. So
1: <laughs> people are going to go, what?
2: <laughs> what is
1: that? <laughs> that's, that's my gardening <laughs> show.
2: That's that's Charlie Dobbins' favorite fertilizer.
1: <laughs> why Why is that your favorite? She puts that on her cereal in the morning. Uh, no, why is that? You know what? Because it's such an old-fashioned, and it's just so – it just makes sense. 15, 30, 15 just makes sense. That's why. Okay. And, it's it's double. and it's harder but, to get now? You know what? I haven't really looked. I guess I should look. It's just it used to be under uh, a trade name called RX15. And, uh, yeah, so remember what that those numbers mean. So 15, 30, 15 is nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. So by having twice as much phosphorus as we're having with the nitrogen or the potassium means that we are giving a higher dose of phosphorus, which means we are promoting flower bud formation. That's what we're doing. Okie
2: dokie. Always, and I mean this very sincerely, always, always learn something from you here on The Garden Show. You are a very clever woman. There you go. Um, we have to take a very clever break right now, but we do have time probably for another call, at least one so and the phone lines are, are empty right now. So give us a call 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number or 1866744 uh, 740. We will be right back here on the garden show.
0: Don't change stations just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on
2: Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and I'm Dean Holland. And, uh, y- yeah, we, we, you were looking up that, gar- that orchid show, right, right. for Hamilton?
1: Barbara called from Dunville looking for where could she get orchid fertilizer, Mm -hmm. and she said she was hoping there was something coming up at the RBG. So if you can't make it to Toronto for the Toronto um, Orchid Show put together by the Southern Ontario Orchid Society, there is an orchid show at the Royal Botanical Garden brought to you by the Orchid Society of the Royal Botanical uh, Gardens. So the show... Is Saturday and Sunday, February 25th and 26th. So coming up pretty soon at the RBG Center. Of course, that's at 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. So it's an it's uh you'll definitely be able to pick up orchid fertilizer, see some beautiful orchids, talk to some experts if you can get there on Saturday or Sunday, February 25th, 26th, all day, both days. Uh, basically, well, Saturday, 12 to 5. Sunday 10 to 5 with special photography moments set aside just for photographers Sunday morning 10. Oh, no, it's just all, all day Sunday 10 to 5, but 10 to 12 is just for photographers or 8 to 10. I guess they, they go in there with their tripods and they get in the way of the, the people yeah. that are looking at the show and nobody wants to get bumped into. So it's this whole idea that special photography moments from 8 to 10 Sunday morning. Otherwise, everybody's welcome Saturday and Sunday.
2: Gotcha. Okay, let's go to our, uh, our last caller of the show. We have Sharon on the line from London, Ontario. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sharon.
4: Thank you. I just wanted to call with a quick thank you for Charlie um, mm-hmm. about a tip you gave. A couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that you could go out and cut some uh, little ends of your um, sticks off your different flowering bushes mm-hmm. and bring them indoors and put them mm-hmm. in water, and they would flower. Mm-hmm. And I went to my forsythia bush the next day and cut a bunch off and put in some water. And about 10 days later, they started to flower. And now we have some nice flowering forsythia in our kitchen.
1: There you go. You don't even have to go out and buy yellow tulips. Just cut some forsythia and you can smile smile as they flower. That's right. So thank you very much for that tip. Uh, good idea. I'm going to go do that too. I haven't done it yet. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, <laughs> but, thanks. And it's thanks. Right and I went the, to the next do. day and just did it right away. Yeah, well, and you know what? Forsythia always needs to be pruned. Like, hello, it grows like, you know, two meters a year. So there's always an opportunity to do some pruning on the forsythia. So, good. Thanks Great. for Th- that. Yeah,
2: thanks for, for the call there, Sharon. And uh, I grew up, uh, the house I grew up in, uh, just outside of Hamilton, had a forsythia bush. And I haven't had one for many years now. And I've really kind of forgotten about them until you started ch- chatting about them
1: you got to have room for them. They are big. Play- well, you probably do. You've got a pretty good sized property. Mm-hmm. A lot of the more urban and suburban uh, properties now are just a little too small for a big gangly for They And I say gangly because they do not grow beautifully on their own. Pruning does help and you can make them um, an attractive shrub. And I always love there's a uh, this crazy hedge in a townhouse complex of, in Toronto, like sort of Leslie and Finch area. Every spring, if you drive down Leslie or up Leslie, uh, in the spring, it's just gosh, it's probably a hundred meters of forsythia hedge. It's all been sheared, so it's beautifully formed into a long oval hedge. and it's when it's flowering, it's uh, it's gobsmackingly wow. But then the rest of the year, it's nothing very special. And of course, then it needs to be pruned as well.
2: Yeah. how if I planted one this year, like how long would it do? did they grow really, really fast?
1: Well, once they're established, they give it a yeah. year or so to get happy. Uh, and yeah, they grow pretty fast. And they will flower, like they flower on new growth. So if you planted one this spring and you let it grow all summer and fall and don't do any pruning or anything, next spring you'll see flowering from the growth from this 2023 growing season. Uh, and then in four or five years, you'll start pruning and shaping and all that important stuff.
2: Gotcha. Okay, so in our last, we got about a minute left. What uh, what are you doing this time of year for your gardening? Like you're doing, you've got your indoor gardening, really, at your place.
1: Well, I w- I will tell you, I was. I think I mentioned I grew some microgreens. I've been growing some seeds indoors. So the alfalfa sprouts, perfect, yummy. Uh, um, cucumber sprouts, not so good, very bitter. Pea sprouts, amazing. So uh, um, really nice. Just little scissors, cut them off, throw them in your salad, uh, stick them, just throw them on a sandwich. Really, really easy to grow. Uh, And I just use a Chinese takeout plastic box. You know, it's only an inch deep, filled it with some moist soil jammed in a bunch of pea seeds, and when they started to grow, the pea seeds popped up, so I jammed them back down, lots of jamming, and uh, eventually the green sprouts started to grow, and then, yeah, you just cut them whenever you want, and they're so good. Taste of spring. Okay, sounds good to me. I'm getting hungry. Uh, There you go. I am too. (laughs) Thanks, Gene. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Carlos, for all your great help. Thanks for the great callers. Love your questions. Keep them coming. See you again next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.